We're going to have to figure out a way to not say Charlotte von Malsdorf every time. <laughs> <laughs> And welcome back to No Script, an unscripted conversation about theater's best scripts. I am Jackson Nikolai. I am Jacob Mann Christensen. We're thrilled that you could join us for this episode two of our themed month for season five. Last week, we talked about a show that has a connection with the show we're talking about this week. That's how themed months work. (laughs) It's true. It's true. And as you all know, if you've listened to last week, we are doing monologue month. This is the uh, month that we will be doing one person shows and and talking through them and their their various ways that they bring bring theater into this this kind of unique realm of the one person storyteller and and tell good tales from that. And if you aren't a person who has seen or read a lot of one-person shows, I think there's a stereotype about one-person drama. And we I think we talked a little bit about it, maybe it was last episode or the episode before, that you say one-person show and it kind of conjures up like images of being drugged to see your friends like bad off, 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 off Broadway right, show right. in like someone's basement that's like yep. the story of their life told with crazy sound effects. It like brings yep. up these images of bad, unprofessional, uh, not very well done theater. But that is just not the case of the high echelon of one-person drama. There are incredibly good scripts. There are incredibly good performances that exist and really have bolstered what theater is for a long mm-hmm. time. Well, it's it's one of the oldest forms of storytelling, right? Like you have the person who tells the story um, to a group of people around a fire or to a people in, in a theater, and it's one person, they carry these stories with them, and they put on the show. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's fun to get to engage with that, to get to engage with that, that kind of ancient style, but then also to note how, uh, like you said, the high echelons of these plays really lean into theatricality, lean into uh, just just the, the theater as a genre in general, and execute it flawlessly. That's right. Last week we talked about The Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe by Jane Wagner, performed or Wagner performed by Lily Tomlin famously in the the Broadway stage performance and then of course the movie. Uh, that show a lot of people know and love. I hesitate to use the word cult classic because it's not quite the same as some some of the things you would think of as cult classic, but it does have that kind of following. Um, it was a huge moment in women's rights on stage. It was a huge moment in uh, like comedy on stage. I mean, it, it was a really important piece of theater and was really a blast to talk about. But it is a work of fiction. Uh, in its entirety. The characters, while Jane Wagner may have based them, you know, loosely on people she knew, as all playwrights do, there is no basis for any of those characters in real people in the world. And that is uh, pretty different than the one-person show we're talking about today. Yeah, today we are talking about I Am My Own Wife by Doug Wright. And uh, yeah, just as you say, it's it's very different in that it's like it's it's a biographical piece. It's uh, an interview piece. It's in some ways it's an oral history piece. Um, and it's 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 about a real a real woman in 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 Germany and and the story of the playwright meeting. 
her. That's right. And some of you remember a long time ago now, it feels like, we talked about Moises Kaufman play The Laramie Project. And that play is very much sort of the highest representation of oral history that exists in the theater landscape. Um, And in the foreword to I Am My Own Wife, playwright Doug Wright talks about, he worked with Moises Kaufman some on the development of this show, and there was a moment where playwright Doug Wright said, am I going to do this? like Moises Kaufman did the Laramie Project? Do I dare, like, walk into that sacred ground? And he did. So what memories you all have of the Laramie Project, that's a very popular play. Many of you probably know it. This play, in its, it's a one-person show, but it is told in, in a similar, uh, based in interviews, based in letters, uh, based in uh, characters playing real humans that have existed in the past. Some, I'm sure, still exist. Um, Um, And and so it'll be a very interesting look at this kind of a script as opposed to the the very comic but fictional uh, The Search for Signs of Intelligent Life of the Universe from last week. And like stylized as well, like the the, the stylized production of of the play we did last week uh, versus versus this one, which is a little bit more a little bit more straight play than than the than than last week's. But before we get too much farther into the conversation about this script, sounds like we're both pretty excited for it. Um, (laughs) We do just want to ask everybody, as we do, to head on over to patreon.com slash noscriptpodcast, especially during a themed month, which is one of those special things about this podcast, about what we try to do. This is a great month to join the support team for this show. We are blessed to have incredible patrons who give monthly to support the work that we're doing on this podcast. And if that's not you, we really would like you to consider it. Um, There's a a pretty significant investment on our parts that goes into making this show. Uh, Monetary investment, there's hosting fees, we got to buy scripts that we can't find or borrow from somewhere. Um, And then there's also just a time investment. I mean, it takes a lot. This is a weekly show. We're constantly reading scripts, watching interviews, recording episodes. So uh, on our parts, we'd love, love, love to do it, but it's not a free project. We really couldn't be where we are now without the patrons we have so yeah a huge thank you our survival is because of you all who are supporting the show and if you're not one of those supporters please consider it patreon.com slash no script podcast you choose a monthly tier the lowest tier just a dollar a month it ends up being twelve dollars a year even that tier is hugely helpful And at that lowest tier, you become a patron of the show. You get access to our patron-only posts over on our Patreon page. We like to bring up other kinds of art that aren't scripts and sort of comment on maybe how they've related to the scripts that we've talked about recently, things that have inspired us. But then, of course, the big thing is that we give you a much farther in advance heads up on all the scripts we're doing. Everybody else finds out the Wednesday before the Monday the episode comes out. If you're a patron, you know quite a bit ahead of that. Um, So we really want to encourage you to head on over there, Patreon com slash no script podcast consider becoming a supporter of the show it's a huge blessing to us for those of you who have and for those that haven't i hope that you feel like you're at least getting a dollar a month's return on the time you spend with us i hope that is the Hopefully. case <laughs> if you're not you should send us an email and right. discuss why you don't think that you're getting a dollar a month's return on your time spent with us because we need to do some improvements of the show right. if yeah, that's you gotta the help case us out. Yeah. <laughs> thank you all again patreon.com slash no script podcast yes thank you all so much for being a part of making this show happen we'll see you over there now back to the script back to the script um 
uh, just from our preview prior to the Patreon plug conversation, it seems clear that we're both very excited to talk about this play. I mean, this yeah. is an awesome, awesome play. As you'll hear from the context, for a one-person show, it's been incredibly well-received. And uh, as you hear what this show's about, how it's told, I hope that you're inspired like we are. This is a great script. Yeah, it truly is. And it and it, and as you say, it has been very noticed by the theatrical community as a great script. Um, I'm just going to give you the kind of quick quick context for the year it was written and all that. The, the context, if I were to kind of contextualize how the show is written, blends into the synopsis, really. Because as we've mentioned, it's a biographical piece. So we're going to start with some... Uh, Production context, this play uh, premiered off-Broadway in 2003 at the Playwright, Playwrights Horizon Theater. Um, it was developed, developed, whoa, this is a day for stuttering. <laughs> <laughs> it was developed with Moises Kaufman and Doug Wright. Uh, Moises Kaufman, I believe, directed for a little while um, uh, the, the production, and that was at his Tectonic Theater project. Um, the play won uh, many, many awards off of that, that production. It won uh, the Pulitzer Prize in 2004. Uh, it won the Drama Desk Award for Best New Play, Drama League Award for Best Play. It won Tony Awards as well for uh, Best Play and for Lead Actor in a Play for Jefferson Mays, who played the the only person in the play. He was the actor. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I guess, I guess the, yeah, the only, only actor in the play, but many persons in the play. Um, and uh, yeah, so as, as we mentioned at the at the top of uh, the us kind of getting into it the play itself is about uh, Charlotta von Malsdorf and it's a, a, a biography a play about her and her life um, in and surviving uh, not only not only uh, Nazi Germany but then also communist Germany as well on I believe it's uh, Eastern Berlin side of the side of the wall so so yeah, I, I'm I'm starting to step on your step on your toes. Well, that's a that's bit. the thing, right? Is that <laughs> because of the play, the, the, because of the story playwright Doug Wright chooses to tell, the context, the creation, the experience of the play, the story of the play, all those are exactly the same. Because yeah, he. So what I'm about to tell you is the process of how the script was developed. In and amidst that process is the story of the script. So bear with me. Uh, playwright Doug Wright, who appears as a character in the play, discovers uh, a friend of his who works in government calls him, and this is uh, you know this is like early 2000s basically, and he calls him and says, "I have discovered an incredible person." living in Germany. You need to come and meet this person. So playwright Doug Wright goes to Germany, meets Charlotte von Malsdorf, who is a... The play uses uh, language that I'm not sure if we would use today, uh, you know, now 16 years later. Uh, we're going to live in the world of the play. So he meets a transvestite, a cross-dresser, named uh, Charlotte von Malsdorf. This is a biological man who dresses and presents as a woman, has chosen to uh, live life as a woman. Charlotte von Malsdorf is his, this person's taken name, her name. And Doug Wright meets her, and she has an incredible story. She's old now at this point, and so she has lived as a transgender or transvestite person. It's a little bit unclear, again, what language we would use today. Uh, but he, Charlotta has lived as an out person presenting as a woman for 
all basically all of the 20th century, which means through, and this is said in the play, two of the most oppress- oppressive regimes in, in recent history, uh, the Nazi Germany and then the communist regime that occupied especially Germany where she lived. She has lived as an out female presenting person through all of that, a well-known person of those stripes. And that is the one of the incredible parts of her life. And so Doug Wright meets her, decides, I want to write a play about her. How awesome. Um, so he conducts a series of interviews. He goes over a lot. He starts to learn German. Again, this is all plot in the play. And he, um, he, 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 he gets her Stasi file, which is the communist secret police files that they were keeping on people as part of his research. He discovers she's lived a more incredible life really than he could have imagined. She killed her father as a young person because her father was a Nazi who was abusive to his family. So lots of incredible moments like that throughout this real person's life. Now, I'm going to take a step away from the plot of the play to tell you how the play came about. Uh, Doug, this is not in the script. Doug Wright decides that I'm going to want to write a play. He starts to work on it and work on it, and he just can't figure out how to make this thing into a play. What's the plot? What's the story? He eventually, through work with his friends, including people like Moises Kaufman, discovers that the story is going to be the story of writing the play. The story of the relationship between playwright Doug Wright, who's an out gay man, and Charlotte von Malsdorf in Germany. That's going to be the basis of the story, not necessarily presenting kind of a fourth wall uh, take on Charlotte von Malsdorf's uh, life. So, in the course of discovering all this stuff, back to the script, in the course of discovering all this <laughs> stuff and learning as much as he can about Charlotte von, von Malsdorf's life, um, we're going to have to figure out a way to not say Charlotte von Malsdorf every time. <laughs> Should we just go with Charlotta? Charlotta. But, Charlotta. Yeah, we, we right, we're going to go with Charlotta. just Charlotta. Um, in the course of researching her life, Doug Wright discovers that she was, and this happens in the real world too, in, in news all over the world this breaks, especially in Germany where she's already received the Medal of Honor. She's also like a big museum collector. Um, she had this incredible museum of, I believe it's like late 19th century stuff. Um, awesome. And so she received a Medal of Honor for that. But now it's discovered that she was an informant for the communist government. And she was, you know, reporting on people in her life. Actually, one of her dear friends, she had got locked up um, and because of her informing on him. And so in the real world, this explodes because now she's a very controversial figure. Again, this is Germany in the wake of the collapse of the communist regime. Who was an informant? Who wasn't? How can we... Uh, how can we punish those who are informants to the communist government? Can we even really effectively? Apparently it was something like one in three people were informants for the communist government. So it's all coming about at the same time. But for playwright Doug Wright, this is this is hard because this is a person that he's really made a connection with. Um, and so how does he tell that part of the story? And so he goes and telling this play based on the relationship between him and Charlotte von Malsdorf as he's writing the play becomes how he does that. So the complicating factor of discovering she's an informant is in the play. What what does a playwright who wants to write a play about this person do when he finds out that this person was an informant for the communist government? Yeah. 
that's really the scope of the play. It's a one-person show. So the actor plays Charlotta, plays Doug Wright, and plays a whole host of other people across the course of the show in telling this incredible story. Yeah, and 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 like there there's so much in there. These like the the gems of her life are are all over the place. There's the museum as you mentioned, there's her complicated relationship with the Stasi and uh so yeah, yeah, it, the the way that it all is kind of dealt with in in real time for us as the audience, but then also in real time for the playwright is just a a fascinating way way to invite us into that headspace into that uh into kind of watching the process of bringing her story to light and and the kind of consequences of that as well right and one of the most memorable most iconic features of the script is not a textual feature uh, it is the costuming of Charlotta, which is prescribed by the playwright because of how important it is to the world of the show. One of the reasons that playwright Doug Wright decided to write this show as a one-person show was how interested he was in the idea that Charlotta was going to be wearing a dress through the entirety of the piece, and really a very gorgeous dress. Typically, it's custom-designed to do lots of different things for the course of the show, and if Charlotta is wearing that dress and other things, heels, jewelry, her hair's done up, all that, um, that would mean, if there's only one actor, that all the characters wear that dress. Playwright Doug Wright does. Nazi guards do. Uh, his abusive Nazi father does. Uh, all of these people end up wearing Charlotta's dress in the way that a one-person show works. And that's an yeah. incredible visual image. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's also a really fun, um, like statement on on her being the storyteller of this as well because it it comes out that you know some of the details are hard for her to prove in some of the stories that she tells and and ultimately the playwright has to decide well I have to believe her <laughs> like that's 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 the way that we're going to be able to move this story along and I and he kind of wanted to anyway um so well, so and that's interesting right because he the way that he chooses to tell the story Doug Wright does is in such a way that whether or not you believe Charlotta is is part of the question, right? If he had written a play that was just a fictionalized biography of her life, um, like uh, The Elephant Man by Bernard Pomus is a good example of fictionalized biography of somebody's life. In, in that kind of storytelling, you have to make decisions about what didn't didn't happen in the telling of that story. But by writing the play that is the story of writing the play, Doug Wright gets to present a lot of that stuff as just kind of open questions. Like, this yeah. is what she says. This is what other people say. I don't know. Right, you decide, <laughs> <laughs> and that's 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 part of the that's part of the 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 journey that or the the ask for the audience is you decide, and 
And Charlotta is such a winning person <laughs> in general, over and over. I, I, I couldn't find it. I was paging through my script again. Um, but but she's <laughs> there's a line that's like, she has them all in her pocket. She's talking to a crowd of people. She has them all in her pocket. She's just so dang winning. <laughs> um, so so that's that's part of it too, is like you get to you get to meet this woman, hear her story, hear some of the things that are in like the skeletons that are in the closet of her story, and you have to decide what your experience of her is. Yeah, and I think for me, so I, I've discussed already the, how the dress played into the decision to make it a one-person show. But in a, in a play like this, it is an interesting question why you only have one actor performing all the parts. There are lots of characters in this story. You could really have... Uh, and, and, and there are characters in scenes together, right? We talked a little bit about that last week with Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe, and that play had much less of it than this play does. There are characters all played by the same actor who are in scenes together, interviewing each other, talking back and forth, sometimes more than two. And why Doug Wright decides that we only need one person to tell that story, why make this play a one-person show? Because the the framework for Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe was set up that way from the beginning, right? I mean, part of it is just that it's fictionalized. It's this woman, I think her, I remember her name being Trudy, and she is, um, she's like getting zapped other people's lives that she's living for uh, a few minutes sort of like watching television and there are these aliens that she's teaching about people but that the context of that story is that it's one person the whole time and she's zapping into other personalities and that's you know that helps to to fictionalize because you can imagine that but in this kind of a story there is no storytelling context which makes sense for this to only be one person it's entirely about the theatrical experience and the theatrical storytelling methods that would make the decision to have it be one person mhm yeah and and in that way like that so so then you start talking about what what it's what it's making what what purpose does the one person show serve for this story? Why 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 was the choice made? And I think uh, the the focus it gives us on Char- Charlotta is part of the equation, like the the kind of enigmatic presence of her and and like the 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 way it's 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 in the way that he meets her even the way that he finds the story he just like kind of falls in Doug the playwright Doug falls in love with Charlotta um essentially um and just just her person not not, 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 not romantic, romantic love, love right. yeah not romantic love but like um you know a writer basically the the story of of her life is incredible and he he wants to be a part of of writing a play about it and this one of the things that becomes so magnificent about the 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 decision to make this about the playwright and the subject of the play is that you really get to see that process of falling in love with the subject as an out gay man living in as i recall texas doug wright talks about in the play i mean the actor playing doug wright talks about how Charlotta is an inspiration to him 
one of the things that is so captivating about her story is her decision to be so uniquely herself, the courage that that takes to be so uniquely you standing up against the Nazi government and the communist governments who were very oppressive and frankly very oppressive towards the LGBTQ communities. And this is a person who says, even despite that, I've got the courage to be me. And that is what makes, to me, the revelation of her possible, not even possible, I mean, I think it has generally been confirmed to be true, that she was a fairly significant Stasi informant. To me, that's what makes the pain of that discovery sharp for the playwright. Because... Because the play is about the relationship between these two, Doug Wright, other than what we're about to talk about, is not like discovering that she was an informant doesn't hurt him in any like real logistical way. He wasn't informed on in the communist government, right? Um, right? But what makes it painful is that is the accusation that it might have undermined the story of her courage. Right, that part of the reason she was able to be courageous in the face of the communist government was does that she was protected because she was turning in her friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's and that's dealt with in the play around this really, um, uh, really kind of heart wrenching story around uh, Charlotta and her friend Alfred, um, and and this Alfred ends up selling clocks to Americans, which gets him on the on the list. Of, of people who are trying to, you know, work outside of the communist system. So they, they, they catch him at it, and um, they know that Charlotta has been helping him as well. She's been storing the clocks that he's selling. And, and the story that we're told, at least, is that Alfred comes and tells her to turn him in and to not take responsibility for it, to one of us should stay out of jail. Um, and so, so that's in that story, we kind of see... Um, her, at least her perspective on how that all went down and also the kind of complicated aspect of, of, you know, as you said, back in the context, one third of all people are informing on each other in, in East Berlin. So, so it, it can't be this like black and white, bad or good issue. Um, rather the, the particularities of the story that we learn cast it all in a pretty, um, a, a, a much more gray light. And the the complicating storytelling world of this part of the play that is about Alfred, the name of the friend that she gets turned into prison, is what you just described. That we get Charlotta's version of events told to us as an explanation, basically, for what uh, Doug Wright discovers in Act 1. The very beginning of Act 2, Charlotta tells the story, and again, she's playing all the characters, of course, of of what happened, which was, like Jackson said, that uh, they were both going to get arrested, and Alfred basically said, I'll take the fall, you don't, there's no need for both of us to go down, da-da-da-da-da. But then, nearly right away, another character says you know, that version of the story doesn't line up at all with what we've got written down in the Stasi file, which says that she was an informant long before that and had been telling the government that she could get in with Alfred and get him into a situation in which he might get arrested. So we have that complicating, well, is that story really true? And then playwright Doug Wright says this great moment too of like, yeah, but a lot of the stuff in the Stasi file doesn't make any sense. I mean, lots of these files are contradictory. Like there's a a moment 
in the file where they talk about how Charlotte is a really terrible informant because she's, you know, about really about collecting stuff. She's easily distracted. So the idea that she could have pulled off this long term con on somebody named Alfred is sort of crazy. Yeah. 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 So so there's all sorts of ambiguity. This uh, that that you each time that you think you kind of have landed on a spot, <laughs> um, another another fact is revealed to to deny you that to deny you the the judgment that you think you get to make, <laughs> um, because because it's complicated because it is um, yeah it's just it's just too ambiguous to 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 cast a full judgment on especially as the playwright says from his like separated American perspective, and so. I wonder, Jackson, why Doug Ra- I mean, we've talked about the dress thing, but set that aside. Why tell this story with one actor? Yeah. I mean, that's 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 a that's that's part of the kind of funness of this play is is that question. And I think I think it's because of what we're talking about that this whole story is is kind of Charlotte's subjective view. Um, the, 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 the story of her life uh, across, you know, decades of living in, in, in a repressive place is, is, is illuminated in, in, in her person. And so to even have, you know, the, the person telling the story while he's telling the story um, be Charlotta uh, is, 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 is a powerful statement on, on, on what's, what direction this story is going to go and how it's going to be told. Um, and since, since even as, as you said with the dress, since even when Charlotta is not the character, she's present because the dress is present. And some of the, the relationship between Doug Wright and Charlotta is about, the ways in which Doug sees himself in her, the ways in which she represents the kinds of courage that 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 inspires him to be a, a better person, to be more uniquely himself, and that's perhaps the reason why the core visual image of the play is Charlotta. This is not a one-person show where you change costumes all the time, where you wear a very simple base costume and put different things on to play different characters. There's lots of one-person shows like that. But this is a one-person show in which the person you see visually represented in the costume design is Charlotta. And so we're asked as the audience, even as she plays a multitude of different characters, to identify ourselves with her in all of the storytelling because she is the center persona. Yeah. And and what she does is the center persona, right? That that courage that she has is illuminated in all the areas of her life. The 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 the, the protecting of music is 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 basically like it's an early in the play thing that she, that they talk about uh, her uh, gluing on different stickers onto records to be sure that the Nazis don't steal the the music, and then once the once the war is over, washing them off kind of caringly and 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 uh, preserving this 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 stuff that would have been burned or destroyed or taken away. 
Yeah, that's the opening monologue of the play is Charlotta describing how she preserved Jewish music through the Holocaust by putting on false labels on the the records so that uh, the Nazis wouldn't discover it was really music by Jewish artists and destroy it. And that's uh, as an opening moment. It is hard to imagine a more sympathetic view of a character that we could get (laughs) than her decision to, at great personal risk to herself, save Jewish music through the Holocaust. I mean, it's hard to imagine feeling more sympathy, more empathy, more pathos, more identification with the human being than telling that part of their story. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that and that like caretaking of things, caretaking of history, caretaking of furniture. Um that's like a huge part of her character throughout to the point that I, I was trying to find the the quote but um around just to bring tie it back into what we were talking about Alfred um, when she is finally kind of asked why, um, why, why she ended up having to turn him in or why she was informing on him, she responds, I live my life by these three things. And, and I can't remember one of them, but before men is furniture. <laughs> yeah. It's furniture, men. And then one more. I'm with you. Is there one more? There's I'm one gonna, more. <laughs> I'll try to find it, but okay. yeah. And, and and so really that's one of the perspectives we get of Charlotta through the first half of the play is this building up of her as a caretaker, as a passionate collector of important things of history. One of the most incredible things about her is there was a, a famous LGBTQ bar that was going to get bulldozed by one of the two regimes. I think it was the Nazis, but it could have been the communists. One of the two regimes was going to bulldoze this bar. And so she bought all the furniture out of the bar before it could be bulldozed and basically recreated the bar in the basement of her museum house. And ran it. (laughs) I mean, it it became a bar. Now, I think it was only like one day a week and all that. But it was a place for these LGBTQ community to feel safe. And she kept that history alive. And that ultimately is actually what won her the Medal of Honor, was preserving that bar, I believe, as far as I can tell from the story. Mm -hmm. And I found the quote, and it ties right into what you're talking about. It's museum furniture men. Museum and furniture, museum. Man, yes. Yep. This is the order in which I have lived my life, and so and and so. Just as you're saying, like she continuously, like kind of builds these shelter spaces <laughs> for people, for things, for art, and uh, is 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 brave enough to live live her own experience honestly while protecting all of these things from these regimes. And again, it becomes another needle. When you discover the turn about her being a communist informant. Right. Because and and, and that's why it, it's so clear that this is one of the central questions for the playwright in wrestling with the stories is what do I do with this? Because so much of what's set up in the first act is then sort of painfully paid off as you discover about it. Because one of the things you discover is that she was uh, um she was basically evaluating evaluating is not the right word she was assessing she was assessing the value of property taken by the communist government from people that they were imprisoning and possibly although she denies it possibly getting to keep some of that stuff 
Right. And so this thing that is so incredible and inspiring about this woman in Germany that she, you know, has been protecting all this stuff, protecting LGBTQ history from the time, protecting Jewish history through the Holocaust. I mean, so much incredible, heroic preservation and caretaking of stuff becomes something that she was potentially doing that hurt those communities in some way right. as an informant. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely like a kind of a, a punch in the gut or a sucker punch once once you like piece all of that together and and you have to ask the question of does that negate what happened before, um, and and do we do we judge someone based uh, do we judge all of a person's life based on on one choice or a couple choices? Where's that line? How much? Do, does a does a per, how much pain or or hurt does a person have to uh, do to kind of wa- wash over all the good that they have done as well? And she does. Charlotta ends up saying towards like the middle of Act Two, this really powerful rebuke. And I, as I recall, it is when the news reporters are hounding her about uh, after she's made an appearance about whether or not she should lose her Medal of Honor because it's discovered that she's an informant and all this stuff. And and she responds, how many of you have had the Stasi show up at your door? And that is a powerful question. And frankly, because of the way that the play is told as a one-person show, it's an even more powerful question because everything she says is to the audience in some way because she is both the news reporter and the the Char- and Charlotta. So as she plays both of those groups, she's playing both of them to the audience. And so she is presumably, or at least this is how I directed, the actor looking at the audience as she says, how many of you have had the Stasi show up at your door? And you go, am I going to sit here in judgment over the actions of this person? The Stasi have never showed up at my door. Right. Yeah. No, it, you, you, you have to like listen to that as, as an audience member, especially in that, in that beat of the play, because it's a beat where she's getting kind of uh, attacked by, by, by the, the paparazzi. And uh, she just came off of like a, a TV interview. She's saying that she has to leave because like neo-Nazis are attacking her home. Uh, so, so she's just getting she's getting hit a lot with a lot of bad information and and you the the play is kind of leading in the direction of of kind of taking the rug out from under her and then she says that and 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 you have to reevaluate uh, any any sort of judgment that you're casting on her and the act 2 ends up going fairly quickly through this casting judgment ethical question it basically works out this is oversimplifying i'm aware but it basically works out that in the first act we live through the eyes of the playwright the discovery of the incredible story of charlotte von malsdorf how she grew up you know that this this incredible story of as a young a uh, person who everybody said was a boy. She went to her aunt's house who was dressing as a man and discovered all of these clothes, uh, women's clothes that she put on. And it really, she felt like herself and her aunt discovers her and gives her like this book that helped her aunt figure out her own identity. And that's what helps her figure out who she is. And then she has to go back and kill her father because her father is going to kill her and potentially the rest of her family 
because he's an abusive Nazi and they've all decided to leave him. And then she grows up in this LGBTQ community in Germany and the Nazis invade and she's collecting all this LGBTQ history. I mean, you learn the incredible life of this human being. Incredible. And at the end of Act 1, the dam breaks. I hope you could hear the snap on that recording because I went... (laughs) The dam breaks and you (laughs) discover the big thing that through this courageous life, she was an informant for the communist government. And so that that's the act one, right? It's sort of a turn at the very end of act one. But then about half or more of act two is just Charlotta telling her story of her relationship with Alfred. Her version of events, at least of one of the events that is in that was a revelation in the Stasi file, perhaps the most damning of the events, and and immediately after that, like we've said, you you start to question that story, and then she goes on these talk shows. She has to leave, but it wraps up fairly quickly after that. And, and to me, that's such a brilliant storytelling device because of what it communicates about how gray the story of Charlotta actually is. We don't really know what happened. All we know is that everything that happened was muddled and gray. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and we know the story that she tells. And so, so, so I, I, uh, I'm not going to remember where it is in there, but there is the moment where John, who is uh, the playwright's friend, uh, Doug's friend, so Doug is Doug is Doug in the play, um, and and his friend John is saying, "Look at the look at these files! <laughs> like, how can you how can you still be on board with this?" And and he has to he uh, he says something to the effect of, "I have to believe her." I have to believe what she's telling me. It's the only way I can write this play. It's the only way I can like give give the required amount of worth to this relationship that I built with this person is I, I just have to believe the story she's telling me. Um, and the playwright throws in this lovely exchange too where someone, again, I forget exactly who it is, someone accuses Charlotte, I think it's the news reporters, of uh, they're basically saying you tell this incredible story about how you had to kill your father uh, because he was an abusive Nazi, but there's really no evidence of that anywhere that we can find. We can't even find his death certificate, and they throw that story, one of the stories that you latch onto as an as an inspiration of her courage and heroism in the midst of a terrible situation when she was younger, and they throw that story into question. And Charlotta's response is. It was a crazy time. Nobody kept right. any records from the time. You can't find any evidence that anything happened. All the records are destroyed. And what be the picture that Doug Wright begins to present is a picture of unknowability, of grayness, of living between any real ability to say this is definitely what happened. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot us here a little bit. We're we're getting along towards the end of the script, uh, or not the end of the script, the end of our time with the script. Um, and and I I, I want to just talk a little bit about the script itself. Um, there's there's some interesting elements of of the reading of the script, and I'm and I'm I'm just curious what your thoughts are on them. Uh, specifically, the the scenes are broken up into titled chunks. In my version of the script, there are. Uh, uh, kind of big all caps words like diagnosis, abdication, the three M's, a convenient lapse. There's a lot of German titles that I can't read because I don't speak German. So uh, many of these uh, moments of the script are sort of captioned in the script itself. 
um, with these titles. And I'm wondering what, what, what you think about that for the script, and then also what you think about it for the production. What would a production do with trying to nod to those or not? I love it. Uh, I, I love <laughs> titling scenes beyond just one, two, you know, whatever. Um, I'm, I, I don't do a lot of playwriting, but what of it I do, I often employ titling in my work. I mean, I just love it. I think it's a very theatrical device that you see used in film some, um, especially more, you know, artsy-fartsy kind of films tend to have, like, <laughs> titles thrown into it. But I love it. To me, it's... Um, it's a commentary from the playwright that is about what you're going to see. And and clever playwrights use those titles to help bolster the audience experience in some way. I think that definitely happens in this script. In terms of what you do with it in production, I don't know. I, the, a lot of times uh, when there's titling involved in the scenes, a playwright will say, do or don't display the titles. Um, they are for you. They're not for you. They're for the audience. They're not for the audience. Whatever. There, there's not a lot of direction from Doug Wright on that. I mean, my first instinct is to definitely include them, um, whether that's projections, whether that's the old uh, title cards coming out, whether that's sh- the, the actor actually says what the titles are. I don't know. That would all depend on how you were doing the show. But my instinct as a director, whenever I come across a script with titling of scenes, is to try to include those whenever possible. Yeah. Yeah. It certainly adds a a subtext for the team that's working on it for each of the the scenes. If you if you ever have any like question around what is what is the intent of this scene or what does my character want, you, you can go back and look at the title. And a title like Bated Breath, for instance, which is one of the ones that I saw, um it significantly impacts the 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 way the scene is going and how you will play the scene to to do justice to that uh title of the scene. So the the title of this script is just delightful. So, right. so good. I'm a title snob. We talk about it whenever we come across something <laughs> with an exceptionally good title. Uh, I Am My Own Wife is one of my favorite titles uh, of lots of plays out there. I love that it's included in the script in a really incredible moment in the script. I love that it's evocative. I love that it's representative of the script. It's memorable. I mean, Awesome, awesome, awesome title. What does the title do for you, Jackson? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it sets you up right away to kind of know that you're engaging in in an interesting story, something, you know, <laughs> I am my own wife is a, a, a not a sentence that I've right. ever heard it's someone It's an unusual <laughs> statement, right? It was part yeah. of why it's memorable and evocative is like, what does that mean? And and actually, even when it appears in the script, I'm kind of like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> How does I don't that know work? exactly if I know what Charlotte means by that? But <laughs> right. it's evocative. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I, I I do like where it shows up in the script. It's it's a it's a one more moment where where Charlotte is telling a story about flashing back. Uh, to a conversation she has with her mother where her mother says it's all fine for you to be dressing up in girls' clothes, um, but eventually you have to grow up. When are you going to get married? And uh, and uh, there's there's a German line in there, which I, I'm not 100% sure what it is, but the, the English line that we get is, I'm not going to do that. I'm I am my own wife. I will be my own wife. Um, and and so so it's it's a claiming a claiming uh, so something I got out of it at least was a, a claiming of this path 
for her life that Charlotta is doing and just telling her family, which is a hard conversation, you know, that a lot of folks have to have with their family, telling their family, this is not a, this is not a phase. This is who I am. And, and I think that is, I think that's some of the power of that, of that sentence that, that Charlotta says to her mother. Yeah. I mean, as it appears in the storytelling, she is claiming her own identity to her parents, which one of the things that we've talked about with the script is, is how much of the experience of the play is identifying with Charlotta and then living the experience of playwright Doug Wright as you realize how complicated it is to identify with with real people and how there's so much gray in life and, and all of that. And so it's one of those moments that stands out as something that stirs um, just the courage and, 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 and the power of claiming who she is to her parents, something that, as you just said, lots of people have to do and is often a very hard conversation. So it, it's lovely as it appears in the story. And as it appears as a title, it, it, it's immediately reflective of a story that's going to be about something different, something, uh, uh, something that's going to be complicated, something that's probably going to be about gender in some way something that's uh going to be just uh confusing at times gray at times as a statement like that and it just works so well and it works so well as a one-person show title too like you you kind of think about it as as a symbiotic title with that like i am my own wife well of of course you're it's a one-person show you have to play your own wife but that's exactly (laughs) right right it's it's a it's um it's a pun almost it's a double entendre right it's a reference to this moment when she claims her own lgbtq identity but it's also a statement on like one person shows i'm playing my own wife (laughs) exactly yeah 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 it's a great title great title well done Doug right well done I think we're about out of time for this episode. There's, there's this is such a great show to talk about. Uh, it's it's a, such a meaningful, impactful play, a really great play. A lot uh, as as is typical of our conversations because we talk about like theme and big like character and subtext. We barely talked about how funny the play is and how witty it is. How and delightful how... Charlotta is presented in yep. the script. I mean, she's just a wonderful human. She's got all these great monologues about the stuff that she's saved and she's Mm -hmm. also a little bit edgy for what you expect for an older woman like she talks a lot about sex she says a lot of sort of shocking things about uh (laughs) her experiences (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but fortunately the conversation does not have to end at this moment we can keep having it with all of you out there in internet land if you have read this play seen this play been in this play we would love to talk about it with you you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter at the username at no script podcast it's probably the best way to get a hold of us and then there, we also have a gmail no script podcast at gmail.com hit us up on any of those sites we love to keep talking about i am my own wife with you Next week, we got another one-person show coming up, so join us then. If you want to recommend this podcast to anybody you know, friends, family, folks that you know that like theater, like scripts, want to talk about plays, especially in the midst of a time when there's not a lot of plays happening, it's nice Uh to be able to talk about plays with folks. So send them our way. We're on Podbean. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. If they just like us on Facebook, then every Monday a link shows up to the new episode. You can just click it and listen. That's an easy way to get a hold of us, too. Until next week, we are excited to be with you then. I'm Jacob Mann Christensen. And I am Jackson Nikolai. Thank you for listening to No Script, the podcast. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.